mentioning how Ford was not going to, or the motor companies weren't going to allow, you know what I'm saying, that type of public transportation or whatever. And then um, at the same time, it mentioned how Ford was doing a lot of uh, investing in order to get automated vehicles on the road and talking about how that would displace Uber and Lyft and, and things of that nature. So I just thought it was like a, a bit of a hypocrisy to say, on the one hand, we know that Ford GM and Chrysler lobby against adequate public transportation here in the state of Michigan, but at the same time, they, they could innovate it. They could innovate it by having automated transit. They just want to be in control of it. Like imagine having a monthly subscription, and you get to pick and choose any. Like you get to pick a car. Like that's what it's going to be. Like you pay for it, say I don't know whatever a lease car amount is, and then you can just dial. Yeah, this is the thing. All the auto workers that have jobs now are going to get laid off. You know, when it's time for that 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 pin drop, because mm-hmm. you can do most of the car building with robots. I'm a living testament to that because the day I stepped in the body shop was the first time that I saw robots, and they were wall to wall. It's facts. Worked in Jefferson North Assembly Plant. I never seen robots before besides like the kind you buy for Lego. What was that shit called? Like Connect or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Connects. Yeah. Remember the bionic ones? We yeah. Had the ro- those were the shit. Yeah. So that's that's the first time that I saw robots. <clears throat> and then when I saw real robots in an automated factory or automation factory or automobile factory, I was I was impressed because I had never... I still remember the smell. There's a distinct smell. You know, the brand the, new machine. It's like the electrical. Like it just mm-hmm. gives off, of, you know, sparks and all that. It gives it's off like a, a new pair of shoes and shit. Yeah, it gives <laughs> off the smell. You yeah, know? That's a Ford Roots plant. I went there about five, six years ago. And I've seen half of the assembly line was robots. Yeah. I mean, they had people working there too in the lines, but they were doing the more intricate stuff. But like they had robots doing like the bulk of it. And so, yeah, and that's, so that's the thing. Like, so what happens is they don't hire new workers. Like. They, like, well, people might counter like, oh, well, they hired the, the new workers after the bailout. Yeah, and those workers don't get a pension. They got a different 401k. They don't get paid the same as the people that were bought out before the bailout, right, before the economy collapsed. So there's a whole different thing. So what they do is they don't hire new people, really. They keep the workforce that they have. They increase the amount of different jobs that are going to be automated away while shifting those workers to something else within the within the structure of the company whether it be mid-management lower level management or just a different job in 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 the, in the plant right and then eventually those workers either get fired get go on disability retire find a different job things of that nature and they don't replace these people when they're not working and so that is how uh, when you talk about the danger of automation relative to our economic situation, that's the real uh, situation that is current right now. The nightmare is when this stuff, you know, think about how a mobile phone was when we were kids. Big, heavy. You had to flip it and shit. Yeah, you had to pull <laughs> the antenna out and all that. That was like as late as 1995. No screens at all. You couldn't see what you were pressing. Like, you remember seeing any movies in the 90s where people had cell phones or mobile phones? 
Like, think about Encino, man. That's a favorite. That's a 90s movie. Did they pull out? No. Okay, think about 2000, a movie from, like, 2003. Did you see a lot of people in movies with, like, mobile? Not really. It didn't happen until, like, real talk, like, 2009, 2008 is when movies started incorporating cellular. Like, I was just watching Disturbia, which is from 2007. And they were using like these, these the phones that they had in Disturbia. This is 11 years or 12 years ago. Ancient relic phones. They're relics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're ancient relics, bro. Nokia's. And yeah. Yeah. Like taking like these shitty, you know, bitmap photos and <laughs> it's like the photos got to download. You know what I mean? Like the only time a photo downloads on my iPhone is when I don't have no signal. You know what I'm saying? That's when I see that little download box and you're like, I never see that because it's instantaneous. You know, like I'm usually on Wi-Fi or I'm usually on Lightning or now they got 5G everywhere. So like, so think about the, the short amount of time of how technology transformed in these different areas. Like I want my listeners. To, are, we, are we live? Yeah, we live. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ghetto Cheers, <laughs> episode number 50. I'm your host, Lamar, the TBG, and to my left, I have no one, and to my other left, I have no one, and all the way back around, around the world, to the right, we got Frenchie. Say what up, Frenchie. What up, Frenchie? And we are here to talk about a lot of things, but let me finish this thought about uh, technology, people. So think about it in terms of where these, where these different devices were, or any device that you use on a day-to-day basis. Think about it in terms of where it was a decade ago. And think about the years from that decade to this point of how much that particular device or piece of tech has uh, transformed and has been innovated and how quickly and how, how uh, the, the gaps, the leaps and bounds that this particular piece of tech takes, right? Now stop there. And when you wrap all that into your frame of mind, I want you to consider the possibility of where these particular pieces of technology will be 10 years from today, okay? 20 years from today, okay? If you can wrap your mind around that, then you should be able to go online and start doing your research in order to understand the serious and most dangerous thing that we face, not only in the United States of America, but all around the world. And that is automation and artificial intelligence. This is not a game. This is not a movie. This is real. There's nothing to laugh about. There's nothing to joke about. Shit, we've been conditioned enough through movies to know how this shit's going They've on. They've been just still oblivious. They started making movies in the damn 60s about this stuff with all the space movies like 2001, A Space Odyssey. I know most mm-hmm. of my listeners may have never seen that film, but that, I mean, that's a good frame of reference to begin, you know, to start to try to understand uh, the dangers that we face. And, 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 you know, the movie that most people refer to is like Terminator, right? But this is not... I think Skynet, man. It is and it's not. Skynet, you know, once we start more, like, once we begin militarizing more of our destructive capabilities through AI in particular, that's a possibility. But that's that's sci-fi. We we are a long time away from doing something stupid. At least a couple decades. And that's not even, that that may never happen. It's more nuanced than, like, you know, militarizing certain things and other people, other humans being able to hack that and take advantage of that. That's, or someone in charge going off the deep end and taking advantage of that. That, That's more the, the, the nuanced reality of, you know, tech and military. But what I'm talking about is tech and everyday life. Every day, you and I and everyone we know gets up to go to work. 
And we go to work for different reasons, but the majority of people work to live. The more, majority of people work to survive. You know, if you don't work, you don't have money. And if you don't have money, you can't keep a roof over your head. You can't keep food in your belly. You can't, you can't experience anything that has to do with what we consider to be living because everything has a price, right? Now, <clears throat> the way automation is going to affect this is not that there will be no jobs for humans. That's not the problem. The problem is that the jobs we currently have as human beings will be valued differently. And they could be valued, valued anywhere from half of what your value is as a laborer to zero, depending upon the technology, depending upon the company that uses the technology. So like, if you're a radiologist and you make $80,000 a year or whatever it is that a radiologist makes, you know, or an oncologist makes diagnosing tumors, and your value is 80K, and they technically, uh, no, not even technically, they actually have machines that are far better at doing your job than you ever will be because let's just face it there are certain things that the human uh composition is just not capable of our eyes don't see certain shades of gray or, or black or, or white or you know it's just very varying degrees of things that we're not capable of doing that tech can do because it's just technology it's science well when that tech enters your your labor market and that company knows that they can save you know millions of dollars by just using this technology and this technology is a thousand times more beneficial to a woman or a child or a boy or a girl or a man right or anybody whatever your pronoun is if it's more beneficial to use this technology because it'll be able to diagnose these tumors with up to a hundred percent of accuracy degree accuracy right and it can see different shades of gray that your human radiologist eye is impossible of doing, then that company will go, or that medical uh, facility that you work at will go, you're not worth $80,000 a year. When all we have to do is buy, you know, a thousand of these machines for, you know, $5 million, right? And then all we have to do is pay maintenance. And we're gonna have, we're gonna be able to see more patients at a higher ratio than just by having you look at, if you see 100 patients a week, this machine will allow us to diagnose these tumors at 2,000 patients a week. Bye-bye. And you can't be mad at that because that is business. That is capitalism. That's the cost of doing business, right? Mm -hmm. So your labor is now valued at zero. Well, let's say you work for a better company that feels sorry for you in some capacity, right? So they go, well, you know, we don't really want to lay you off because we like you and we don't want to be mean and we know you got a family to feed, so we'll just let you work part-time on the weekends. Well, part-time on the weekends isn't going to pay for your mortgage. Part-time on the weekends isn't going to send your kid off to uh, ballet practice or, you know, whatever it is you got going on. You know, you can say bye-bye to Netflix. You can cut all the corners you want. You can go get a separate job. Okay, that's fine. Okay, you pick up a different job. But you went to school for this. You spent 100 k in student loans, or maybe you got a full ride, or you went to grad school, so you had to take a loan because you're not from a wealthy family or whatever the case is. You went to school for this, and now you can't do what you trained your whole entire youth and you spent eight years of your life to do. You can't do it anymore because, well, you can do it, but they tell you you can only do it on Saturday and Sunday. Or for a very or a smaller amount than what? And so now that you've only trained in this specific field, what are your skills? 
if there are other jobs out there available for you to do, what are your skills? How do you fit into the job? You know radiology. You don't know how to do anything else. So what do you do? All right? This is the real way that automation and artificial intelligence will affect us. Affect this economy, affect the world, affect people's jobs, and affect the way people value themselves. All right? And when I was reading that article in Detroit Hour Magazine, you saw it. It was talking about how they have, a, you know, learning AI that can detect uh, mental it can detect suicidal thoughts yeah. you know your brain has wave activity and people are able to interpret brain waves in a various a varying degree of, to a varying degree of, of ways right and this machine is able to take all the data that is compiled from different brainwave activity and be able to diagnose when someone has had a suicidal thought or attempt or attempt within 94% accuracy. That, that is insane. That's ridiculous. That's very accurate. You know, you know, I never thought about, even if I was doing something that I absolutely love, I never thought that I would be defined by that. And I understand that most people feel like their work defines them, and that's fine. But I've always considered myself to be something more than just what I do for a living, something more than what I put my time into, you know. I consider myself to be more of my thoughts and the way I treat others, you know, like, and if you don't consider yourself in that same light, and, you know, your work is more about your identity to you, then you should really listen to what I'm saying right now, because this is going to affect you the most. If I go to work tomorrow and they tell me, yeah, we got robots doing your job, go home, I'm going to be okay, because I'll figure out something to do, and if I can't make money, I'm happy living in a cardboard box. I refuse to do work that I hate. That's where my mentality is. I'd rather be a hobo. I've said this multiple times. I'd rather be homeless than to ever do a job that I hate. That's real. I'd rather just be a bum. Do, do odd varying degrees of things, maybe for food or whatever the case is, and live my life happily knowing that I'm not waking up at the crack of dawn to do something that I absolutely loathe, right? But people will look at that and say, well, there's no pride in that. Is there? Maybe there isn't. But who are you to say, right? But if you're the person that needs to, that structure, needs to wake up at the crack of dawn and feel like, okay, I have to, I, even though I hate doing this, I have a job, so I'm okay, right? Well, when, when, when there's no job, you're going to be the person that does something crazy to other people. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be cynical or comical. I mean that in the literal sense. You're going to be the type of person that maybe has a break mentally. And it's going to go out there into the streets and do something horrible. And I'm here to say, reading these articles, coming across all this different information, time after time, watching the current political spectrum and the current Democratic election that's going on right now, watching the number of candidates, the number of people who are following all this, that are the, the, just the total negligence to the real, actual problem that we are facing, the total just lack of interest and disregard, only verifies something that I've known since I was like 10 years old, which is that, is that human beings are stupid as fuck <laughs> and nobody knows what to do about anything. We're all just kind of pretending. And it is by the good grace of some omnipotent being that we haven't screwed this all up. It has to be. Feels like it. If it ain't that, boy, are we lucky, right? Just wing it. Winging that shit for a long fucking time, man. So what happens when you don't wing it for a long time? It doesn't turn out good. Mm -mm. 
But yeah, we're not the smartest of creatures. I've said that for a while now. And just watching this current attitude and dismissiveness and total just, total just negligence towards the real actual problem that we are facing that's affecting us right now. And it's only going to escalate within the next 10 years. It just verifies that 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 realization, that crisis moment that I had when I was 10, which is nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. Like this is this is incredible. <laughs> but um, I want to start the show off by talking about uh, something that I came across. I actually ordered it from Amazon. It's on back order. It's supposed to be here in October, and it is called uh, Miss Monopoly. What? Yeah, Miss Monopoly was created by the Parker Brothers on behalf of some, I guess, group of women that wanted to create for National Women's Day or something. You uh, go, girl. About a, a Monopoly game that uh, it, uh, you know what I'm saying, it has a... So it has a female instead of the dude? Well, there, most of the characters are female, I'm assuming. I will find out when the game gets to, in my possession. We'll play it, obviously. But basically, basically, where I took issue with the game was, <laughs> I'm not really taking issues, but you'll see in a minute. Uh, is that they wanted to make a game in Monopoly, use Monopoly as a way to address the quote unquote wage, gender wage gap. That, what? Yeah, so basically, <laughs> basically, check this out, French. So basically, the game, you will, you, every, if you're a male player, right? Yeah. All the female players that are playing the game, right? When they pass go, they will collect $240. And if you're a male, you're only allowed to collect $200. Man, fuck that game. No, 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 wait, listen, listen. So then this is their way of saying this is how you address the gender wage gap. Now, I want to preface this by saying I have all, I've maintained this position since I was, before I started getting pussy, okay? Because I've never been one of these dudes that get all weirded out about a woman working and earning her keep, you know? Like a lot of these dudes will get mad or they don't, or they, yeah, there's still guys today, I know a few that just want their wife to stay at home. And work. And hey, that's fine. Do your thing. But my lady knows your ass got to get out there and make some money. Because you're going to buy me shit. Okay? <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't running no free rides around here. Okay? But so that's been, always been my idea. I believe it should be federal law that women should make 10 times as much as men so that I can call off or I can take more vacation time. I don't yeah. have to work as much because the baby got it, you know? Like that's. I'll uh, take care of it, yeah, you go work, man. Yeah, I will clean the house, <laughs> do the laundry, all over, all this shit gonna be sold up by the time you get back, go, girl. Go do you and make that money, boo. Mm -hmm. Go, girl. You didn't work today? Nah, nah, I figured I'd just, you know, do some stuff around the house. I figured I'd do laundry. Watch my soap stuff. operas, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's nothing to me. I think it should be federal law. But having said that, well, yeah, because they carry the, they carry child, they yeah. have more responsibilities. Fine. So fine, not give them more money. Yeah, fine, but I think it should be law, like yeah. man. Like, but <laughs> you know, but don't get mad at me when I only work three days a week. I chose to do that. It's my choice, right? Yeah. So, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that I accept this notion that there's a gender wage gap. I've always thought that was preposterous. Once I actually looked at how these studies were being done and who was saying what. And <laughs> I saw rational responses to counter that and then I saw the response to that rational counter. I'm like, ah, okay, this is a malarkey. You know, a bunch of malarkey, goddammit. So I'm looking at this Monopoly game, right? <clears throat> and this, now understand, Monopoly is a game about capitalism, okay? There is no gender in capitalism. There is no gender in capitalism. <laughs> 
Now, if you're going to get $240 every time you pass go, I want to say this to you're all still going to get that money, Rand. All, all female <laughs> listeners, like, and I'm going to actually go on the Ghetto Church Facebook, and I'm going to issue a challenge once this game gets here next month to any listener or to any follower that considers themselves a feminist or feminist. I will pay you $240 cash if you can beat me in the game of Miss Monopoly. As a matter of fact, I'll up it. You bring you and any friends you want, because it's obviously a multiplayer game, and you all can face me. So it'll be 3v1, 4v1, whatever. I'll pay you all each $240 cash if you can beat me in the game of Miss now, no, you, you going bankrupt. That that means that's end of the game, or someone else goes bankrupt. That means end, that's no, it's got to be real monopoly championship rules. That means you have to win. That means the last man or woman. It means play stand. the game to the end. Don't flip the table. Yeah, you're mad and lose it. The last <laughs> one standing who has all the money wins the game. Okay, that means you have to eliminate. You have to bankrupt players. Let me tell you something, French. You see me play. I'm a bad motherfucker. You know, there was a point in my life where all we did because we were unemployed was play Monopoly, gamble with cards, or play freaking NCAA college football, or Madden, or watch Avatar The Last Airbender, or Naruto. That's all I fucking did because I didn't have no job, right? We still do that. I learned a lot of, I still do that, but now I just make money. But, you know, like, I know how to fucking play Monopoly. This ain't no game. So I challenge you. If you you have to be you have to be a woman who believes in the gender wage gap. You can't just be a woman trying to get a two hundred forty dollar come up. There's only one woman in the whole continental U.S. that can beat me in Monopoly, and she don't believe in no fucking gender wage gap, <laughs> and she ain't gonna want to play no Miss Monopoly, you know. So I'm not worried about her. Shout outs to Queen Poop, but. You listeners or you females that think this is a cool game, I challenge you to because I don't believe in the gender wage gap. And I want to see if this little pick me up can actually make a difference. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. When it comes down to trade time, you get extra 40 bucks every time you pass go. I'm going to be asking for that cash. I'm going to have that leverage. Okay. And if you, I'm going to tax that ass. <laughs> and if you don't want to play ball, that's fine. Because one of your little girlfriends will play ball. What, you think you're going to lock me out of a deal? No, not going to happen. And even if, you, even if you did lock me out of a deal, I know how to circumvent that. You think I've never been locked out of deals before and still won? Come on. No, you're going to play the game straight up because it's in your benefit. That's capitalism. It's in your benefit to make deals. It's in your benefit to play straight up. When capitalism is not rigged and the rules are fair, everybody wins. They win in their own way, but everybody wins. You know, some people win big, some people win small, some people don't win at all. You use your own game to teach them a lesson. I'm gonna use your own game to teach you a valuable lesson that even if the gender wage gap was real, I still win. And it's not because of a patriarchy. It's not because I'm mansplaining or I have toxicity running through my veins. It's simply because I'm better at this fucking game than you. (laughs) That's it. There's no equality in being better than you. I'm better. It has nothing to do with the dick and balls between my legs. It has everything to do with my mind. 
and who I am, I'm better. <laughs> and we're going to find that out when anybody, and I do mean anybody, accepts this challenge coming this October. I'm not fucking around. I will pay you 240 cash if you can beat me straight up in Miss Monopoly. Right, give him a shot. Yeah, that's all give they give. Oh, and, I, and then I know the listeners are gonna wonder, well, what do you get out of this? Oh, I want a public uh, apology for even insinuating that you, the lesser of the players, I, I want, I want you to, I want a public apology about how you are less than this lowly, toxic, patriarchal male in the game of Miss Monopoly. <laughs> I want I want an apology about how you oppressed me every time I went past boardwalk, how you oppressed me every time I didn't land on a free parking, how you oppressed me every time I took a chance, how you oppressed me every time I tried to go community. Now I want apologies from all the women after I'm done whooping that ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Just an apology. All right, moving on. Um, there was, so there was a revolt summit uh, held by. Did you hear about that, French? Mm-mm. Uh, it was like a, a summit that a bunch of rappers held. Uh, 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 I have to pull it up, man. I don't even know. Uh, Candace Owens, the the the, the fake Republican, was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ti Diddy was in the audience. Killer Mike. Expeditiously. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> And they were all, I guess they were talking about the black agenda uh, when it comes to politics. What is their agenda? I don't know, man. Um, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted this to be the episode where I, I, I broke my foot off in black culture's ass, but I think I'm not going to do that because I don't think I have, I'm in the proper position to speak on that. But what I am, I feel, in the proper position to speak on is um, some of the issues that I feel are black people's faults. Now, before I get into that, I want to talk about one thing because we talk. We, I kind of, I'm kind of, I've kind of joked about it on several episodes comically, but now I actually want to give an explanation as to why uh, I feel this way. Um, black people are not people of color. Okay, but blacks of color. <laughs> I feel like there's some twisted, weird liberal agenda trying to group black people into this group that has never actually quite participated in black struggle before. And I don't know why that's happening, and I don't know where that's coming from, but when I, when I look at history, and I look at some of the, 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 the key uh, points in our country's history of where black people have had to struggle in order to gain recognition, in, in order to gain freedom, the so-called freedom that's supposedly provided to everyone who's a citizen here in the continental U.S. <clears throat> I don't recall a lot of these folks who consider themselves to be people of color actually participating. And I do recall a lot of white folks, whether they have done it out of genuine uh, uh, sympathy or whether they had some sort of uh, monetary gain to, to be had from the situation. I recall those folks being present in black struggles, whether it be in the Civil War with white abolitionists who were against slavery, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was in the Deep South doing Reconstruction and the Klan's, uh, you know, insurrection and trying to uh, help black folks around, along the Green 
the Green Book or whatever, when they had to travel to the South and get to them, things like that. Um, the people who helped Harriet Tubman free slaves were white, some, some of them. Uh, even during the civil rights uh, struggles, in the 60s and the 50s, you had white uh, apologists, white liberals. Some of them, again, genuine in nature, and some of them who had obviously ulterior motives, right? Whether they were doing it out of genuine sympathy and humanity or whether they were doing it because there was something to be gained by it, right? Doesn't matter. They're most of them were white, okay? <laughs> or Jewish, right? And mostly the Jewish people were doing it for financial reasons. They were, you know, you know record companies or whatever. You had something to be gained by, by, by doing that, obviously. But that's, that's not to say that they didn't help. They did help. I don't recall Indian people. I don't recall... Uh, Asian people. I don't recall looking at history, uh, Latin people having been there, really been there for the struggles of all these black people that came long before that I was even thought of, right? I don't recall any of that. I can't point to a plethora of instances in our time in history where they were right there in the thick of it with black folks. I do recall that for the most part, at some point or another, they have been accepted into white identity, right? And they're allowed to coexist with white identity. And I do recall them feeling a certain way about the common black man, the common black woman, or the common black neighborhood, or the common black culture. I do recall them being racist. I, you know, I could point to how Asian people treated black people during the 80s. Yeah, you know, you had gangbanging and all that, but not everybody was a gangbanger that came into your store. You know, hell, let's just look at Latin people. Like, where they would, you know, they, they talk about black, some black people are very racist. You know, they're even racist in their own countries towards people who are born there who have darker skin tones, whether it be darker Dominicans, darker Cubans, because those are Afro-Latinos. So they are people who were a part of the quote-unquote slave trade and, you know, have families and, you know, Descendants and yeah, descendants. You know, they're not they're not the ones that were raped by the Spanish who just look white. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and they treat and feel a certain type of way about the darker people from Cuba and Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and, all, and Mexico and on and on and on and on throughout. They have a, a distinct attitude towards towards those people, their own kind who have darker color skin. Yeah, and the irony is, you know, these people, these groups of people have been moved to the United States, been born here, and they have all reaped the benefits. They have all reaped the benefits from the struggles of black people. And now, in 2019, after all this history, we're all supposed to be people of color against the bad orange man, right? I don't think so. And this is no disrespect to anybody. You know, if if you see injustices in the world, you should call it out, no matter what the skin color is, right? I'm just saying this: we're not people of color, so fuck you. We're black people, and we have our own problems as a people, our own struggles to deal with as a people, and we do not want your sympathy. We do not want your alliance. We want you to get the fuck out of our way. And let us figure out our own shit. And when we ask you for help, then you can help. But if we're not asking, then fuck off. Straight up. I don't buy that shit. Do not call me a person of color. I am black in America. 
I know where the fuck I am. I know who the fuck I am. I know what country I'm in. I know what we're up against as a, as a people in this nation. And I do not need your help. Okay? If I need your help, I'll ask for it. I can't tell you. I remember I said that on one episode. I said the next person that calls me a person of color, I'm going to fucking scream. Yeah, I am black. Okay? I wish I could go back to Africa. I wish I knew where I was or my ancestors were from over there. Who all my ancestors are. But I don't. Okay? We are more than slaves. We're more than that. Okay? Fucking people. Yeah, we're people. And we have a history that doesn't, is not predicated upon just being slaves or going through Jim Crow or going through, uh, you know, the, the, the rise. Or the, so we, we, are, we are more than that. And we will lose our identity and our, our, our ability to recognize that we're more than that if we allow ourselves to be lumped in to this overgeneralized grouping of people that have never gave a fuck, have never spoken up, but have in private or at their little family gatherings probably said a thing or two about black folk. That's just facts. You might not have said it, but you got a, a family member. Or a neighbor or a friend, and you didn't speak up probably then, did you? At the barbecue. No, you didn't. So don't come out here pretending like we're all in this together. No, we're all in this world together, trying to exist and trying to coexist. But black struggles are synonymous to black people, not Asians who consider themselves borderline white now for whatever weird fucking reason, or not a Latin people who have always had some sort of derogatory attitude towards people who are dark or black people. You know, I know I got a lot of Mexican, and a lot of Puerto Rican friends, and I know some of their family members probably talked about me or felt some type of way about me because I'm black, but you reap the benefits. You didn't have to go through what, my ancestors had to go through and you reap the benefits of all of that by simply being here. And you have the nerve, the audacity to feel some type of way about black people in private, public, whatever. The hypocrisy. Do not lump black people into people of color. We are not with you on that. We shouldn't be. If you have half a brain as a black person, you would realize that. I'm not saying to hate Latin people. You shouldn't hate anybody. You should hate people who are bad people. That's as simple as it gets, and that should be where it cuts off, right? But do not fall for this trap of them trying to lump people into a particular collective group so that we forget our struggle and we forget about what is impersonal and personal to black people. Every culture, every we are a multitude of cultures and religions and people in this country, and we all have our individual struggles that can be, that can be rectified solely by ourselves and so that we as a collective group of people as americans can make america better right but do not get lost in the sauce that's all i'm trying to say that's all i've ever tried to say when i when i hear this people of color shit we don't have your problems asian people we don't have your problems latin people we don't have your problems indian people and you don't give a fuck about our problems you never have so stop all these fucking people on college campuses cut that shit out stop we're not people of color. We're black people. And that's that. That's that. Like, I don't want to hear. I don't want to see another person call me a person. I will fucking scream French. Like, that shit was making me hot two years ago, bro. I was like, I couldn't believe it. It makes me hot still. 
I don't deal with people that talk to me like that, but I just want people to understand that black identity is separate from ethnic identity. And that should go from a different cultural background. Whether you be Irish, whether you be Polish, whether you be uh, you know, Libyan, or whether you be uh, Hindu, whatever, like Chinese, whatever, Taiwanese, your, your cultural identity and your ethnic identity, right, are two separate things, okay? And we don't need to be allowing this mixing and, and fucking just stupid collectivism of our identities. Because if we do that, then we'll lose, we'll lose sight of the struggles that are personal and impersonal to our, our people. It sounds like sounds like mass confusion here. You get ethnic confused with race and then everyone's fucking stupid right. and racist. I mean, look. I know what I'm saying probably comes off as really abrasive, but these are my observations. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I just feel like there's something funny going on when people do that. When people say people of color, person they're of just, color, they're confused. Like, who is that? They're confused. What's a person of color? Uh, you? No, I'm black. I'm white. I'm colored. Right. That's yeah. a color. Yeah, Why it's a color. It's, it's, no, it's the, when, when they say people of color, they try to say that it's all the the brown skin or the dark skin people, and we're all apart. We're all fighting the good fight so together. That sounds racist as fuck. People of color. So black people, brown people, yellow people. The fuck. They're all people of so color. People of color sounds racist and, and, as fuck. And they're trying to make it into like this sort of coalition of of people that are from different uh, ethnic backgrounds. You know, being a part of this coalition that are in the good fight together against the, the white supremacists oh, and the man. orange man. But my, my, my issue is that where were all these people in, in, in the uh, 1800s? Were all these people in the 1700s? Were all these people in the 1900s? Were all these people in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and 70s? They were all here and present. But there wasn't no people of color talk back then, was it? But now, all of a sudden, with no explanation whatsoever, there is. Oh, what? Because you Muslims were getting attacked? Since 2001, by the U.S., right? Yeah. You know? Oh, what? Because now it's, it's the Latin people's turn to get attacked in our country. Now we all in this fucking coalition. But what about the crack epidemic? What about Jim Crow? What about the civil rights era? What, what about all these different things that black people had to deal with? Where were you guys at then? Where was our coalition of color then? Nowhere to be found. And now you want us... Especially during the crack era, because we were both alive and yeah, aware during the whole time. Yeah, I was aware. I was aware. So where were you all at then? You were nowhere present. Nowhere. Selling that shit to each other. Selling it to each other, right? Yeah, exactly. Tell them, French. Tell the people. Selling it to each other and having an attitude still about black people. And now we supposed to be a part of this coalition against the orange man? No, fuck you. Straight up. You on your own. This black man is going to stay right here with other black people and all my white friends and all my Mexican friends and all my other friends and different walks of life. I'm going to be right here. I'm not part of your little bullshit coalition. It's fuddy-duddy. That's what it is. It's a fucking fuddy-duddy. That's what it is. You know? Um, but that leads me to transition into what I want to talk about lastly, which is the, uh, the, the revolt summit. Now, I have not watched it myself um, so I will keep my commentary short to this. Um, I don't really want to get into politics because it'll just upset me. So was it just hip-hop and politics? It was more about the black agenda with regards to politics. And I've seen a lot of commentary about it. 
I will watch it. It's like an hour and 20 minutes long, and I really didn't want to spend an hour and 20 minutes of my day to hear a bunch of black people screaming over each other because they don't really know how to have a debate, right? And calling each other a bunch of niggas and shit. I really didn't feel like hearing that today. <laughs> Probably not for a few days. But when I'm ready to hear that, I'll listen. I'm registered to vote. You registered to vote, French? Not yet. Okay, well, I'm registered. I don't know if I don't recall registered. I haven't voted in fucking seven years, but I shit, longer than that. I haven't voted in 11 years. What am I talking about? So if that gives you a sign of when I voted, then you know. Um, but so it's been 11 years since I voted. I voted uh, state in the last state election, except for governor. But I voted for everything else, right? So I'm registered. Um, but I am registered as an independent. And if you look at all the black scholars and all the black leaders of the past, the great black leaders of the past, whether it be Garvey, Douglas, Carter, MLK, Malcolm X, are the obvious people, right? They've all expressed explicitly at one point or another the imperative or the, 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 uh, the seriousness of, of a black person, a black voter being an independent. An independent because as black people, we should not pledge our allegiance to any political party. And since we're in America where there's a two-party system. Yeah, both parties failed. They fail black people time and time again, but we are historically known to vote Democrat over the last 30 or 40 years. That was not the case once upon a time. We voted historically Republican, right? But now we vote democratically because the Democrats have convinced all of America that they're for the working class and, and they've convinced the black people that they're all for the working people and, 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 and uh, you know, multi-ethnicities uh, in America. And the Republicans now have disavowed themselves from, uh, you know, different uh, racial backgrounds in America. And they're all about white people and rich people and da 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 on and on and on, right? You, you, if you are black and you are registered as a Democratic voter, I want you to listen to me very closely. You are failing black people. If you are black and you are registered as a Republican voter, you are failing black people. And let me, let me explain this as simply as I can. You are pledging yourself blindly to a political party that knows no matter what, they will get a certain, a certain percentage of your vote. And they can promise you and pander to you everything under the sun with no guarantee because they know without a shadow of a doubt, data-wise, statistically, X amount of percentage of black voters are going to vote for Democrats. And X amount of percentage of voters are going to vote for Republicans. And that is your fault. That's not the white man's fault. That's not people of color's fault. That's not liberals' fault. That's not Trump's fault. That's not Obama. That's your fault. You are failing our people. The only way black people will ever have any type of reasoning, any type of voice in the political stage is if we start unregistering as Democrats and Republicans and we all register as independents and we force these politicians to actually make guarantees for black people to actually have policy and, and legislation on deck for black people specifically or you will not get our vote and if the black vote is what that candidate needs to win the election they will pander like you've never seen they will do a Trump 2016 the way he pandered. They will do a 
Clinton 2016, the way she pandered to gay people, talking about, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm for gay marriage, but just two years ago, I didn't, I said it was just disgusting. Uh -huh. Yeah, they'll pander their asses off if they know they got 30 or 20, 27 or 30 percent of the population unreg not, not registered with either party. Those parties will reach out and go, what do you need? What do you want? How can we get your vote? If you can't see that as a black person, you are failing your people. Martin Luther King talked about it. Malcolm X before or after he became, uh, before he was disenfranchised with politics or you know, disenchanted with politics. But once he realized that was a means to an end and he expressed his thoughts that in that manner, you are failing your people. We all have to be independent and we have to wait for Democrats or go to Democrats and say, well, what are you going to do for us? Oh, yeah? You're not going to do that? Well, this is what we want. If you want to vote, old Willie Dilly over there on the Republican side said he was going to give us that. <laughs> you not? Well, you guess what that means? We're going to vote for Willie Dilly then. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We can work this out. We can work this out, you guys. That, that's how it has to work. If you're going to blindly align yourself with these political parties based on ideologies that have no bearing in day-to-day -day life. Oh, I'm pro-life. Oh, I'm pro-choice. Oh, I'm anti-gun. Oh, I'm pro-gun. Right? You are failing your people. I've been an independent voter since I elected, or I voted for, I'm sorry, Barack Obama in the 2008 election. And I don't have any shame about it. I did it because he was black. It wasn't about being a Democrat or Republican. It was pride. I was like, oh shit, I've got a lot of little kids now. Fuck it, I'll vote for them. Fuck it, why not? You know who I didn't vote for in 2012? Take a guess. I did not vote for Barack Obama because I didn't like the job he was doing. I thought he was doing a terrible job, as I do with most presidents. But I thought that for a, for a minute, maybe when I voted for the first time, maybe I actually believed him. But then I realized that my beliefs never match reality. That's what being an adult is. You realize that just because you believe in something doesn't make it reality. Okay? So he did not get my vote the second time. And nor did Mitt Romney. You know who I voted for in 2016? Nobody. I wasn't going to vote for that fucking uh, cunt. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> She's a cunt. You know? And I wasn't voting for Trump. I wasn't impressed. By, I didn't even watch any of the debates. I just heard like murmurs and hearsay about how funny he was and how he was going to drain the swamp and all this other bullshit. I didn't give a fuck about any of that. I just realized that I wasn't going to pick between either of those candidates, and I was doing my favorite thing, which is to gracefully bow out of the situation. That's what I can do as an independent, because, oh, well, if my candidate doesn't win the primary, I'm just going to support whoever. No, I don't do that. I support who I believe in. And even though my beliefs probably will never match reality, it matters that you truly believe in what someone wants to do and what someone is saying when you cast your vote. And if the person that I want or I believe can get the job done far enough for people to be prosperous in this nation isn't on the ticket, I'm not fucking voting. I don't want to hear about lessers of two evils. That's the stupidest thing anybody could ever say. Like, this is not that bad, but it's still bad, though. Yeah, it's like, you know, like you're still choosing evil. You're, there's, you're not a hero. Just because one doesn't look as bad as the other one, you're still... You're not a hero. You're not saving anybody. You're not doing your duty. You're creating chaos. That's all you're doing. As they...
I voted. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you don't do anything. Yeah, you're right. That's my choice. This is America. I choose to do nothing because I don't believe. You know how powerful that is? When you can look someone in the eye and say, I choose to do nothing. When you can take control of your own destiny in that manner, that's what I'm doing. I choose to do nothing. It's like Queen Cersei when she told that fucker, I choose violence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I choose nothing. <laughs> yeah, I choose nothing. What are you going to do? Huh? You're going to go crazy. Yeah, you ain't going to do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I have no argument for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, but in all seriousness, black people need to become independent voters. So what little I did notice about this revolt something before I actually sit there and watch it, I just want to illustrate that point. And if you don't believe me, then do your research. Do your research into why it would be a very, very, very life-changing and history-changing thing if all black voters unregistered from their uh, parties that they represent and chose to become independents. Uh, so that's all I want to say for the big five zero. Um, follow us at Ghetto Cheers Facebook, Ghetto Cheers Instagram, um, or Ghetto Cheers email, and all the feminists out there that want to accept this challenge coming in October, let me know. And with that, let them know. <laughs> Goddamn feminist. God want to play me at mesmerably? Infowars.com. I wonder what the box is going to look like. Uh, it's like, I don't know. I'll show you after this. It was like Mr. Monopoly, except with like. It was something like that. It was like a female, I don't know. Like high heels and a dress. And nah, well, she had a suit on. I like women in suits. Women in suits are pretty, pretty hot, but. No, nah, <laughs> I think it'd be like Miss Pac-Man just put a bow on him and call him a female. I, I'll show it to you. It's man, it's on backward. This shit sold out, so I think it's gonna be collectors. I'm almost borderline not wanting to open it. Matter of fact, buy if two. no, right, I should buy two. <laughs> like if no one accepts the challenge, I probably just won't even take it out of the plastic because I know it'd be worth money someday. But uh, we out, man. All right, peace, peace.